This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 499 with Meredith Atwood. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 499. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Take Two Minutes, a nonprofit dedicated to helping improve your happiness by using text messaging to engage you in activities proven to elevate and spark joy. To get started for free, go to Take Two Minutes, that's take number two minutes.org slash shameless, and you can save 15% off their super cute love-inspired apparel for kids and grown-ups by using the code shameless when you shop their site. This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play game. You can download Best Fiends for free in the Apple App Store or on Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S. Meredith Atwood is a former attorney, podcaster, and motivational speaker, and four-time Ironman triathlete. She's the author of the best-selling triathlon book, Triathlon for Every Woman, and the new book, The Year of No Nonsense. She's the host of the iTunes Top 50 Fitness Podcast, The Same 24 Hours, and she's been featured in the Boston Globe, the New York Post, the Seattle Times, and dozens of online publications. Meredith is a contributing writer to Psychology Today Online, Triathlete Magazine, and Women's Running. 
She's a sobriety advocate and the founder of Grateful Sobriety. She's a USA weightlifting level two and a USA triathlon level one and precision nutrition level one coach. She's got a lot going on. She's originally from Georgia and lives in the burbs of Boston, Massachusetts with her husband and two tweens. Meredith and I met a couple months ago when I was on her show. We totally hit it off. And by the end of that conversation, I said, hey, you got to come be on my show. So this was a ton of fun. It was like reuniting with an old friend. We had a great conversation. Things got juicy. So prepare yourselves. We talked about a lot of things. So make sure you listen in to hear Meredith share her spark moment in a spin class that changed everything in her head and opened her eyes to totally new layers and levels of potential within herself. Her first experience doing a triathlon in an overweight body, how she used triathlons and Ironmans to try and prove that she was healthy when she was truly unhealthy, what caused her to give up a two bottle a day wine habit, why she identifies as an addict and how she negotiates moderation and abstinence in different areas of her life, how she defines nonsense and how this concept shaped her life, how to open up your truth onion in order to find freedom and liberation and escape a lot of your own self-inflicted oppression, what real leadership looks like in these days of influencer culture, and the dangers of marketers who present themselves as leaders and take no accountability for the harm they do online. So like I said, we got deep, we got juicy, we were all over the place and it was real powerful. I know you're gonna learn something from this conversation. Like I said to Meredith at the end of the conversation, she started out talking about the spark moment that she had in a spin class. And I think that for some of you, you're going to have a spark moment listening to this conversation. So please join me in welcoming Meredith to the Shameless Mom Academy. Meredith, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Sarah. Thank you. So we got hooked up. Did we get connected through Angie Trueblood? No, I don't think so. I think I just came across you on Instagram and I saw Shameless Mom and I was like, okay, that sounds like me. (laughs) Let me go check her. I think (laughs) that's how I came. Yeah. And then I just said, oh, I want to interview you for my podcast. Yes. So I was on Meredith's show the same 24 hours a couple months ago and the conversation was so much fun. And then by the end, I was like, do you want to come on my show? <laughs> this needs to work both ways. So I want to be best know. friends. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, that's right. And then you sent me the email after you're like, so just so you know, we're best friends now. <laughs> I was like, I consent. <laughs> and then I posted that on my Instagram and my other so friend good. was like, wait, I thought I was your best friend. <laughs> I'm like, oh goodness, here we are middle school again. So good. So good. So I know we're going to have a ton of fun today. We have a lot of things to cover. I'm super excited. So thanks for being here and we're going to dive in. So I want to know a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. And I'll let people know we're recording just after Labor Day. So for you, distance learning has not yet started. I'm a weekend. So I'm okay right now. (laughs) So everything's real rosy and shiny right now. Everything's fine right now. Yeah. Oh gosh. There's so much good and there's so much crazy. I mean, I look forward all the time to podcasting, which I know you understand because you get to meet such interesting people and that is continued to roll. My podcast is an episode, I guess, 240 and really got some great stuff coming up. So that's super exciting. And then I'm working on myself. Like I'm always working on myself. I feel like this is a constant project, but I've really come a long way just in quarantine, which I know, you know, anyone who's commiserating with how terrible this has been now like hangs up the podcast. (laughs) They're like, forget it. She's one of those happy quarantine people. But I've really been able to kind of 
take the time to change my mindset around things. I swear, I feel like I'm busier now than ever. And that sounds crazy, but I'm very excited about the sort of authorship that I have taken over my life and just designing it. And a lot of that is through the work I'm doing. I'm in coaching training with the Handel group. I'm going to, I've been life coaching for years and years, but I'm going to join their roster at some point. And so I'm working like in spreading this bigger mission and, you know, taking my message out further and just, it's just all exciting. It's exciting when you've been doing something because I'm on year 10 of, you know, it all started with a blog because people used to do that. (laughs) And so it's been a long road, but I'm just excited to be where I'm at and coming to some sort of peace with myself, which I feel like Mm -hmm. I've always been at war with me. (laughs) Oh, let's just go right there then. So I know that that your life looked a lot different 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, you would, you had a blog. And so talk a little bit about this war with yourself and what does that look like, you know, between now and 10 years ago, and even previous to that, if that Sure. Sure. So 10 years ago, I was a litigating attorney in Atlanta and I had two kids under two and I was about 250 pounds and had a, at least two bottle a day wine habit. So I was living my very best life. (laughs) Everything was awesome. And it just felt like as I tell my story and I've told it over the years, I said it felt like Groundhog Day and then the pandemic happened and that joke's no longer funny. But (laughs) even 10 years ago, it felt like I was in this proverbial Groundhog Day of feeding kids, doing law work I hated, commuting 12 hours a week and just eating unhealthy latte scone work, latte scone home. You know, it was just Mm -hmm. everything was formed around food and drink and survival. And it was just this constant state of dread. And one day at work, there was a lunch and learn. They came into the building. They brought sandwiches I was in. And as I sat there, I realized that the people putting on the lunch and learn were selling gym memberships. And I was like, oh, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> like, are you serious right now? I have to join this a gym. Is, it was, and it was like presented as like a learning opportunity for employees, yes. but it was really a sales pitch for a gym yeah, membership. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's correct. And so like annoying. any good... So annoying. And as I sat there with my cookies, my box lunch and my diet Coke, right? You know, just (laughs) and huge. I was huge and sweating. I remember it was hot. You know, there's all these things. And so like any good people pleaser, I bought the gym membership (laughs) because I (laughs) hate their sandwiches. You know, I'm also a sucker. So I go home and I tell my husband, hey, I joined a gym. And the look on this man's face. I mean, he is not a cruel human being but he's been there before i had joined Mm. enough gyms and done enough detoxes and tried to start and it was just that place you know i couldn't get unstuck and i was so mad at him i took my beer (laughs) and went in the bedroom and started packing for my next day at the gym and the following morning (laughs) i ended up getting up really early like 5 30 i drove to the office i was like oh my gosh no one is driving at 5 30. it took me 20 minutes to get to the office it used to take me an hour and 15. So that was like the first sign of life. And Mm. there were no children at 5.30. They were at home asleep. (laughs) It was quiet, Mm -hmm. you know, it was. And so that was another really interesting thing. And I went into a spinning class and the instructor said from the front of the room, did you know that every day is the first day of the rest of your life? And me sitting on that teeny tiny bike spinning seat with my big bottom, I just started crying. I started crying like you know, normal, like everyone does in spin class, just weeping, totally embarrassing. (laughs) But I realized that 
every day is the first day of the rest of your life. And oh my gosh, there's something here. I feel it. And I always call that my spark moment because mm -hmm. it was like, oh, something's happening. I feel it. And so that day I left completely motivated and changed nothing in my life. <laughs> like, you know, I just kept going to spin class. And it was interesting just showing up every week to spin class. The instructor, he's a longtime friend now, but he told me, you know, you could do a triathlon if you wanted to. And I was like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> why would I want to do that a race? That was my response that when someone right. suggested I do a triathlon as I was well. like, why would I want to do that? I've never, I was a weightlifter in high school. I did not run. Mm -hmm. I did not swim. I did not bike. But he got into my head and it was this weird, strange permission that I needed to kind of wake up. He was like, wait, he thinks I could do that. Maybe I could do that. So a year after that spinning class, I did my first triathlon. And I was like, whoa, I'm amazing. And the funny part about <laughs> the triathlon. That was my response after my, I was like, I had no <laughs> idea I was this amazing. <laughs> I am so amazing. But the irony of that triathlon is I did it in the body I had. I was probably 230 at that point. I crashed my bike coming into transition. No. This little tiny hundred pound man tried to pick me up tangled in my bike. And I'm like, can you please stop trying to pick me up? I weigh 200 pounds, you know, like stop trying to pick me up. And I was dead last and I didn't care. I felt like a superhuman that I just did that thing. And I came home and I told my husband, look at what I've done. And the kids who were like three and two at the time, they're like, they don't care. But it was a thing. It was a huge feat for someone my size, my, with no athletic endurance, with just everything I had going on. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can do this. And so I became, I started my blog, Swim Bike Mom, hence the name, and um, started writing about what it was like to do a, an endurance sport in the body I was in, which was a big girl. And it sort of took off because that's when blogging was new and people still read them and Facebook didn't hijack everything. <laughs> and it was, you just, you, if someone liked your page, they read your blog. And so it grew really quickly and people began following it. And then I wrote a book about doing triathlon for women, because when I started out, there just wasn't a book that explained how an overweight mom of two with a drinking problem and, you know, who practiced law could do a triathlon. It was a very niche market. And, <laughs> but I thought, you know, if I can do this, I can tell other women how to do it and get people excited about trying something new and not feeling like they have to be a certain weight before they can even go to a gym or be a certain weight before they can do a sport that's traditionally for, you know, small people. So that became my mission. I went on to do four Ironmans, which are the long ones, and got coaching certified. Can you, you can't just gloss past that. Tell people how long that is. Because <laughs> well, I've uh, watched yeah. Ironmans multiple times, and just watching it is completely exhausting. And I, I think watching it's after. worse than doing it, because I've done some spectating, and I think it's worse to watch them <laughs> than to do them. Oh, it's, so, um, it's such a long yes. day. <laughs> so it's a 2.4-mile swim, and usually in a body of water, not a pool. 112 mile bike and then a marathon 26.2 miles of running but you know running is a loosely used term in my world it's like slogging slash walking dragging because <laughs> yeah. every iron man has always been a death march for me at the end and like um, the elite athletes take like eight elite women are like eight to nine hours right correct and so, i like to double that and make sure i get my money's worth and do right. 15 to 16 hours yeah i was gonna right. say for many it's like eight to 17 hours right but you got to figure they're running like a seven eight minute right. mile right. i'm 
slogging a 13, 14 minute mile, you know, so it doubles. Everything is, you know, exponential, but that, you know, I'd finished all of them. I've actually never started a race. I I didn't finish. And that's something I'm very proud of. And there's been plenty of opportunities to not finish plenty of time to quit plenty of time to give up. And so I went on to coach and just really loved the sport of triathlon and then I just stopped doing it because it was eight, I did it for eight years and I was exhausted and I just, I couldn't anymore. <laughs> just like, I had to just bow out. And I took a lot of heat for that, which was interesting because I didn't realize that my entire self-worth was based off of me writing articles about cycling. So that was interesting. And, but during that process, I quit drinking. And the funny thing is I was drinking the whole time I was doing this. Like I did all my Ironmans as a heavy drinker. Wow. And, and that's the is... time people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's probably why I did them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue. But I, I like to say that I was doing triathlon a lot of the time for my ego and also to prove that I was healthy when I was very unhealthy. So mm. it kind of was the overcompensation effect because when I got sober, I quit doing all those races. I was like, oh, I don't so want to do this anymore. Like it's too long and it's, and I don't, mm. what do I have to prove? I've done four of them. And it was really interesting how that became clear to me that when I hung up the really harmful behavior, I didn't need to fight so hard to prove my worth. And triathlon had a very important role in my life. So I, I'm not poo-pooing the sport. I think it's a fabulous sport. It saved my life for sure. But I also think there's virtue in being like, okay, I'm done with this thing and not to Mm -hmm. pigeonhole yourself and definitely don't pick a social media name around it. Like swim bike mom (laughs) that you're stuck with forever. Should I brand rebrand? I'm just swim bike mom who doesn't swim and doesn't bike. (laughs) Right. And like after quarantine homeschool, I might not mom either. So right, right, right. (laughs) I'm out of all of it. So that's just a funny joke, but you know, that's been the journey. So I quit doing triathlon, but I just continued to grow and continued to coach because the experience of everything I've been through, the totality of the 10 years and, and then I left the legal profession. So really quitting drinking, I'm almost five years sober and leaving the practice of law was huge for me. I mean, those were two big stakes in the ground that said, okay, I need to do more. I need to be better. This is not for me. And I've never been afraid of change, but I was always afraid of giving up the ghost, the habit, the golden handcuffs of a legal paycheck (laughs) of, you know, missing out on drinking all the time with everyone. And so that was a big part of the process was learning, okay, I'm actually stepping into my life, not giving up anything. Yeah. Okay. So this episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, 
which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I want to know if you were drinking heavily while training for Ironmans and Ironman training was not a catalyst for you to stop drinking. I want to know what was the catalyst for you to stop drinking. <laughs> You're like, if that doesn't do it. Uh, right? um, well, the story, so the, I think what happened with, I know why I quit drinking, but to backtrack to training, I think I was so hungover every time I went on a long training ride it would take me like 60 to 80 miles on the bike before I'd be fully sober. And Mm. so then I would be like, well, I've only got 20 more to go. I'm almost (laughs) done. Because when I got sober and I went out to ride a hundred miles, I rode 40 and I was like, I'm out. Wow. (laughs) I'm not not going any further. This is stupid. And so I really think I was just like riding off a hangover, swimming off a hangover, running off a hangover all the time. That seems so ridiculous. So interesting. I think any addict could be like, yeah, 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 we know. So that's did not. Yes, you're right. That was not enough to motivate me to stop. But what did motivate me? And this was kind of crazy. It feels kind of woo-woo, but I was sitting in a Target parking lot ready to go in or I'd just gotten in from the store 
And I had this very real sense. It was like voice slash God slash universe slash internal voice that just said, you know what, Mayor, you're not going to be alive in a year if you keep this up. It was just this clear feeling. I was out of the world in a year, whether Mm -hmm. it was going to be I was ending it or I was going to because I had this tree at the bottom of this huge hill leading into my neighborhood. And I would repeatedly come home from, and this was before I was out of the law and I was still drinking, but I would repeatedly drive home every day in my perfectly great SUV with my lovely Louis Vuitton bag from my law job with my two kids in my perfect suburb neighborhood, like my perfect little life. And I would dream of driving into this tree. Like, I just, I can't take this anymore. I'm suffering so much. It was so hard. And so that was like constantly in my head. And so when I had that moment in the parking lot, I believed it, (laughs) you know, I thought, you know what, you're probably right voice in my head. Mm -hmm. I see there has been evidence of this (laughs) Mm -hmm. with this tree situation, you know? And so this was a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I remember it was early midweek and I had my husband's like holiday party on Friday night. And that moment I said, I'm done drinking Saturday. I knew I couldn't get through the holiday party without drinking. Mm -hmm. And I set the date and on Friday night, I had one drink. And that was the only time I can remember going anywhere and having a drink. It's always, you know, (laughs) seven. And, but I knew I was done. And it just, you know, when you make a decision and you know, it's really hard to just kind of be nonchalant about, your choices around that decision. Like I knew I was done. I knew Saturday I was done and I was. And one of the caveats I like to always add is people in the sobriety community say, well, so you just woke up and you got sober and you didn't do AA and you didn't do anything else. And yes, sort of, but I had been trying to quit for 20 years. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. Anyone who drinks to that kind of excess wakes up on a Sunday morning and pours out all their booze and swears never again. And they do that for years and they do it for decades and until one day it sticks. So yes, I did draw a line in the sand. Yes, I did pick a day. That just happens to be the day that stuck. Mm. <laughs> that was the one for me. Yeah. And it's not been easy, but it's also not been hard. And the explanation I have with that is just once you get on a few, if you have a drinking problem and you know it, When you get on the other side of sobriety, it's so clear. (laughs) You're like, oh, I get it. I get why sobriety is better. The things you think you're missing, you're not really missing. They're not Mm -hmm. really cons on your con list. Or they're not really pros. Like, Because people say, oh, well, I drink to relax. Yeah, but not really. You drink for the buzz. <laughs> really, mm-hmm. the buzz is like the only thing. You drink to numb out. You drink to escape. Mm-hmm. And and the reason you're doing that, it has nothing to do with actual alcohol. It has to do with, you know, stuff that's inside. It has to do with you not wanting to deal and not loving your life and all these things. And so alcohol is the Band-Aid, and it was definitely a Band-Aid for me. And so getting sober was kind of the tip of the iceberg for the last five years and the work that came after that. And so it's been a ride, but quitting drinking was the best decision outside of LASIK eye surgery that I've ever made. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good decision too. 
This episode is supported by Take Two Minutes. So Take Two Minutes is a nonprofit dedicated to helping improve your happiness by using text messaging to engage you in activities. So you, many of you know that a couple weeks ago, we did our very own gratitude challenge here within the Shameless Mom Academy. And so many of you were surprised and delighted by what a gratitude practice can do for your life, by how you can suddenly start to see this shift in perspective around all the goodness in your life and the abundance that maybe you don't always see, especially in the middle of a pandemic. And Take Two Minutes can really help with that. Sometimes we need that extra support. We need those practices to really ground us in seeing what we have and allow us to focus on the good when things are really hard. So the way Take Two Minutes works is when you get started, you enter your phone number into their website on your phone, on your computer. It's totally free. And then right after that, they set you up to start receiving their daily automatic text messaging, positivity messages. And so you get to pick what time you get the messages. I get mine at 7 a.m. And then from there, you can also interact with their other activities. Their other activities include gratitude journaling, daily meditations, grounding exercises, and their special three good things exercise, which I love. So I want you to check out what they have because we know from science, from research, from data that a gratitude practice and focusing on positivity and abundance will actually improve your health. It will improve your sleep. It will improve your relationships. It will improve the way that you can adapt during hard times and be resilient in hard times like in a pandemic. Hello. (laughs) So we know that these are good things. And sometimes you just need the little extra support of a platform like Take Two Minutes to get you in the habit of practicing these things regularly. Also, because Take Two Minutes is totally free, on the back end of their site to fund their whole organization, they have the cutest merch. I call it love gear. They have their love gear where you can go in and you can get hoodies and zip up sweatshirts and t-shirts and little beanies and hats. And they all say love on them. Or they have, I think there's other ones. They're very variations of love and kindness, but they're all adorable and fun and cute. I got some gear, Vinny got some gear. This is amazing for stuff for under the tree, some stocking stuffers if you're looking for some goodies and they're offering our listeners a discount. So here's the deal. To get started with Take Two Minutes, you're gonna go to taketwominutes.org slash shameless. That's take the number two minutes.org slash shameless. And then when you shop their site, you can use the code shameless at checkout to save 15% off your purchase. So go to take two minutes, take the number two minutes.org slash shameless to sign up. And then you can shop their site, use the code shameless at checkout, save 15%. Take two minutes.org slash shameless to get started. So tell me about what was your husband's response to all this? Because I always think about through other conversations with other people who've gotten sober, I have some awareness around partners, thoughts and feelings and wishes and desires around (laughs) an addict's an addiction and a partner giving something up. And I'm curious what his response was when you, did you just come home and say like after the Christmas party or the holiday party, I'm done. I told him as I was putting on my mascara, getting ready for the Mm. holiday party, I said, I just want you to know that I'm done drinking tomorrow. But the man, it's just kind of like when I joined the gym the first time Mm. he'd heard that before, you know? Okay. So the initial response was, okay, fine. Sounds great. And you know, he meant it because I was a super fun drunk until I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I would super lively, super funny, like great to be around. And then I just wouldn't be, I would Mm -hmm. be dark and evil and mean. And I would wake up in the morning and not, I would have blacked out. I just was a blackout drinker. And so I'd look over at him and I wouldn't know what I said, but he was mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he was mad. And so the eventual progression was is awesome he's super glad i don't drink anymore 
the immediate part of it was he lost his drinking buddy because he would drink, but he's like a reasonable drinker. You know, he can have two beers and be good. But, and I was his drinking buddy and, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Right. And so we partied. And so losing his drinking buddy at first was hard Mm -hmm. because the way I got sober was also disconnecting from the old habits. So I always sat in this one chair and had my glass of wine. Like I stopped sitting in that chair. I went upstairs after dinner and Mm -hmm. because I had to, I had to create new surroundings and just disappear for a while. And so there was definitely that loss, but I know if you were to ask him right now, there wouldn't be a single bit of him that says, oh man, I wish she was drinking again. Yeah. You know, not even close. (laughs) Right. So what does sobriety look like for you now, five years later? It's just who I am. It's just, I don't struggle with drinking at all, but I'm an addict through and through. And, And a lot of people take exception to the term alcoholic. I don't particularly love it, but whatever. I do like the term addict because that is who I am. (laughs) That is the process. Because if I'm not drinking, then I'm eating. If I'm not eating, I'm over-exercising. If I'm not over-exercising, I'm creating new businesses. Like it doesn't matter. Mm. I take everything to the nth level. And that is getting dopamine hits. You know, my body doesn't make enough dopamine probably. So I got to get my hits from somewhere and I'm always looking for that next hit. It's the question of, okay, are you getting a good hit? Cause you had really great calls with your clients and you helped the world today, or are you getting a hit? Cause you're being a liar and a sneak and, mm. you know, doing. And so just coming to terms with that part of me, has been the most valuable thing I've done in the last six months to a year. I don't think I fully embraced that. And part of what helped me come to that realization is reading Russell Brand's book, Recovery, because he talks about, it's basically a book about recovery from all our addictions. So whether it's shopping or porn or alcohol, drugs, whatever, food, how to recover, how recovery is not about the actual substance, it's about the internal and that we need help with that. And that was when I realized, oh, I will just take everything to excess. (laughs) Got it, duly noted. And I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me because that's why, you know, food is still my biggest kryptonite. Like that is still my biggest struggle because one, we have to touch it. If I could just like be fed through a tube, I would be so grateful. And that sounds terrible, right? No, terrible. but I've heard other people, I've actually, I've heard this talked about a lot in the addicts community and among people who've struggled with their relationship with food, that it's the constant decision making around it and the having to negotiate. Negotiate. Yes, correct. And so the biggest thing that has helped me is following a meal plan. And I'm not talking about a diet. I'm talking about, I wake up in the morning while I'm on the Stairmaster, I plan my food for the day and I stick to that plan. And I do have macros and I do have all of that because I'm also trying to train for a bodybuilding competition. But that aside, I will always need to have parameters because I just can't make good decisions (laughs) on my own around food. It's the addict. It's like more is better, sweeter is better, saltier Mm -hmm. and greasier is better. That tastes good. Ding, ding, ding. I'm all lit up. Everything (laughs) is good. Oh, and now I'm crashing and angry at myself. Mm -hmm. And it's the same pattern. And I think if we can, if anyone listening is struggling with that pattern and you see it like kind of shape shift and jump, (laughs) you know, really go get Russell Brand's book. And he reads the audio book, which is hilarious. It really changed it for me. Yeah. 
Are you familiar with Gretchen Rubin's concept around moderation versus abstinence? I didn't know it was her concept. And I tell me what it is, because I think I know what. So she she says says. that there's people who can moderate and there's moderators and abstainers. And so she Mm -hmm. identifies as an abstainer, but she said abstainers really want to be moderators. And so there's people, so like I'm a moderator where I can have like a little bit of dessert and that can be enough. This hasn't, and I don't, I would say there's been times in my life where this hasn't been true, but for the last, I don't know, 10 or so years, this has been very true for me that I can have, or like I can have a glass of wine and be fine. Mm. So I can like have a little, I can do moderation. Moderation works for me, but there's people and she identifies as one where like, if she has a little bit of sugar and sugar is kind of the big one she uses for herself. If she has like, you know, three sour patch kids, she needs to have three bags of sour patch kids. Like she can't shut it off once she starts, which is as if you are an addict for sure, it's going to be a struggle for you to be a moderator and for you to moderate. So what she says is that as soon as she identified as someone who needs to like have this really black and white boundary of like, I just don't eat sugar. So she's like, I don't eat sugar and I don't drink. And she's like, there's a lot of people that think I'm really boring, but I know that if I choose to do either of those things, it never ends up serving me. I'm constantly right. trying to negotiate and renegotiate with myself. And it just becomes this really messy thing that be- takes up so much time and mental space and energy that it's not worth it. So it takes less energy for me to just be like, I don't do that. Got and it. then there's yeah. people that can moderate and then it's not an issue. But she said abstainers oftentimes don't want to be abstainers. They want to try to moderate. And so they spend so much of their life trying to figure out how they can become moderators. And it's just completely consuming and can be wasteful of that time and energy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've heard that once you started explaining it. So, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's true. I'm for sure an abstainer. I have to be, but I spent 20 years trying to convince myself I could moderate alcohol right, and I right. can moderate chocolate and I couldn't, but I am so, and I appreciate this with her saying, you know, even a bit of three Sour Patch Kids. I mean, same. Mine is so dialed in right now. I, the only carbs, and I'm not against carbs, so don't tweet me. <laughs> Everyone listening, I'm not anti-carb and I'm not keto. And I'm talking like processed carbs, starchy carbs, rice, mm-hmm. pasta. If I can eat, I eat so clean now with veggies, fruits, and protein only that if I have sushi, which is a wonderful food, <laughs> like nothing mm-hmm. wrong with sushi, but if I have sushi for dinner, I will be rummaging in the candy an hour later because all carbs turn to sugar. Sugar is the dopamine mm-hmm. response. It will, in an hour after eating sushi, I'm like foraging for food. It's crazy. So that's how sensitive I am. But I didn't know I was that sensitive until I cleaned up my act significantly, right? So yes, there's just certain foods that if I eat them, I'm jumping off a cliff. And a good example is this weekend, we went hiking up in Vermont and we did an eight mile hike with the kids and it was brutal. We were out there like six and a half hours. And I said, I'm going to have ice cream. And I had actually planned to have ice cream. Part of my promises to myself, one is if I hike a long hike, I can have ice cream. I'm still, by the way, still negotiating. (laughs) Still negotiating my ice cream. It's the last frontier. And I thought, I can do this. I can just have an ice cream. Well, that was Friday. Saturday and Sunday also had ice cream. By Sunday, it was a triple scoop and I had pizza. And it's so just like, oh, you're, and I'm watching it happen. It's not like it happened to me. I made these active choices, mm-hmm. but I started to not care. I started to give up my dream of this bodybuilding competition. I started to sell my soul for it mm-hmm. and it became funny. But unless you see the humor in it, it becomes really tragic. And then you're yeah. like, why oh, am I such a failure? Why can't I get my shit together? Why, why, why? Mm-hmm. When really it's just because you ate sugar and you can't. 
because yeah. you're an addict, you know? And so yeah. that's what I woke up Monday and I cleaned it up and now it's, I don't even know what day it is. Are we Thursday? <laughs> Are we Thursday? Yes. Oh my yeah. goodness. What, yes, yeah. it's Thursday. And you know, I'm four days back on my plan. I feel great. I'm not craving sugar. But what that is, is the art of the rebound. And that is part of the dance of recovery that addicts and people that struggle with weight or anything have to learn because you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get it right all the time, but how quickly can you really clean it back up? How quickly can you pick yourself up and move forward? And that is what I have gotten that down to a beautiful, beautiful science now. I mean, I used to rebound and I would just, you know, I'd dive into pizza and then you might find me six months later mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'd be 20 pounds heavier. And like, what happened to me? What has happened yeah. to me? Had, I don't even understand, you know, this whole, <laughs> I don't know what happened. And now I know exactly what happened. I know exactly how much ice cream I had, what the flavors were, how I snuck into the pizza box after everyone else was done and had bite after bite after bite and pretended mm. like I was getting ice in bites, the kitchen. Because bites don't count. <laughs> bites aren't real. Right. Yeah. And, but to own that... I did that. And to also own that I dropped a piece on the floor and picked it up and kept going, you know, <laughs> like, I don't care. That's what yeah. I did. And when you bring that kind of behavior into the light to yourself mm -hmm. and you say, I just, you just did this thing. <laughs> you just ate floor pizza off of a, you know, Verbo condo. Like it's not even your house, like gross, <laughs> Meredith. It's funny. It's funny how you just let that kind of stuff take over your dream, like my dream to do a bodybuilding show does not entail any of these things. And so, mm -hmm. you know, learning to rebound and focus back on what you really want is part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about nonsense. What is nonsense and how has that <laughs> concept influenced your life? So in 2017, I had this realization that a lot of the stuff in my life was just complete and absolute nonsense. I was looking around and I felt like my life was a yard sale that I just had all this crap strewn about. Like my career was a mess. And this word popped into my head, like one of those magic eye posters from the nineties where you're staring at it. You're like, what is it? What is it? Oh, it's a plane. <laughs> and I was staring at my life and I'm like, what is it about my life? And it, that word popped in my head. I'm like, this is freaking nonsense. All of it. Your nonsense, their nonsense, your people pleasing is nonsense. Your social media fights you have with people, all of it's nonsense. And I thought I could have a year of no nonsense. That would be super fun. I, I just won't do this stuff anymore. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? 
My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And so I pitched the book to my editor and I said, I think I can write a book like my triathlon book. It'll be super funny. Like I lived a year of no nonsense. Here's what it was. And she's like, great, write it. And so I started to live this year of no nonsense. And it kind of turned out differently than my book proposal (laughs) for a lot of reasons, because I realized that nonsense can be a word or a concept for lighthearted, funny things like eating pizza off the floor. It can also be really dark, heavy stuff like drinking, like drug abuse, like trauma. And so I wrote this book thinking about what nonsense are we allowing to interfere with our greatest health, happiness, and success with a kind of wink (laughs) that nonsense can be really dark stuff. It's not meant to make light of it because I one person my opening page of the book, it's got like this list of nonsense and it's got peanut butter and a spoon, the Kardashians, like just this whole list of stuff. And one of them was homophobia and one of them was racism. And people said, that's not funny. That's not nonsense. And I'm like, no, it is. It's nonsense to be homophobic. It's nonsense Mm -hmm. to be racist. But you can apply that word in a very poignant way. Mm-hmm. Like that behavior is nonsense. Like it's crazy pants, you know, nonsense yeah. less crazy pants. And so the book is an exploration of what is the personal subjective nonsense in your life that's literally keeping you stuck. And what is it for you? And where does it come from? Because once you can find the root of it, where it started, you can kind of go, oh, I get it now. I get yeah. why I think I'm not a runner because my dad said I wasn't one. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's why I think I could never run. You know, all these beliefs and names and numbers that impacted us long, long ago, they're still showing up in our coping mechanisms and our addictions and our daily behaviors. And so when we can pinpoint what is nonsense in our life, when you just name it, you're like, oh my God, that is nonsense. Then you have a name for it and you see it and you can now decide what you want to do with it. And so the book is about identifying that in your life and then where to go to get rid of it or to fix it, to name it, make a plan around it, and then start to actively live your life of less nonsense. And so it's a really simple concept. And I made sure to thoroughly Google it before I wrote it. (laughs) So I was like, this is too simple. Surely someone said, get rid of nonsense. But yeah, it's been a fun journey. But doing the work in the book was my actual journey, you know, so as I wrote it, I did it and I lived it. And so it turned and became a less than funny book (laughs) sort of quickly, (laughs) but it has funny moments. And, but it's the kind of book that you want to read through once and then go back and work because it is heavy, but it's Mm -hmm. the quickest way to healing that I've found. And, And I just had a lot of that to do. 
This episode is supported by Best Fiends. So life is all about connecting to something bigger than day-to-day worries, like family, community, even yourself. But at certain moments, like when your kids somehow manage to smear chocolate cake on the ceiling, you need more than a sense of connection. You actually need a break, right? So I have been using some of my breaks, some of my self-imposed break time during this pandemic and during all of this endless togetherness to play Best Fiends. So I love Best Fiends because it's a game that engages my brain enough to let my worries of the day slip away, but it's also not, it doesn't make me compulsive. (laughs) And this is the issue I sometimes have with games is that like I can't put them down and then I can't get anything done. This is like the perfect level of like, I'm just gonna take a little break for a while, tackle a couple levels, move along in the game a little bit, and then move about my day. So it's perfect for a little break time. I love it. They constantly are upgrading the game. So there's tons of new levels. There's like many thousands of levels now, which I feel like I can't keep up (laughs) because I'm only in the few hundreds of levels. But there's multiple thousands of levels. So they're always upgrading the game, updating the game, adding new levels, adding new ways to complete the puzzles at every level. So it's a puzzle-based game. And if you are a puzzle person, you're going to love this. They have over 100 million downloads. This five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. So I've been playing it for gosh, probably coming up on two years now. And I'm telling you, it has not gotten old at all. So I want you to check out Best Fiends. If you know you need a little game, a little break in your day, a little break from the fam, you might want to go hide out somewhere and just like chill the heck out. So you're going to go to either the Apple App Store or Google Play, and you can download Best Fiends totally for free today. So again, just go to the Apple App Store or Google Play, download Best Fiends. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Tell me a little bit about how you transformed through the writing of the book. Yeah. So I have a concept in the book called the truth onion. And this is really, if there's a, an image to kind of go with the process, it's this truth onion. And we think that our life, that we have, you know, a major presenting problem And for me, it would have always been my weight. Oh, if I could just fix my weight, then everything would be perfect. If I could just lose this weight, then, and that's what I like to say is the outer skin of your truth onion. It's that presenting problem. It's the thing you think is your main problem. Mm -hmm. But if you peel a layer and you ask like, wait, why am I overweight? Why do I care that I'm overweight? Why do I want to lose weight? Why do I, you know, and you start to peel and you go, well, when did this start and how is it happening and where are my triggers? And you peel and peel and peel and keep asking yourself why and how, and is this true? You get to the core of it. You finally peel it all down to the naked, bare, stinking, putrid core of it all. And you're like, oh, this is a learned behavior and here's where it started. And I'm a grown adult now and I don't have to keep doing this. Like I really Mm -hmm. don't have to keep doing this because it's hurting me. And that process, it's just like peeling an onion because you you cry, it smells, you really don't want to deal with it. (laughs) You want to throw it out. And as soon as you're done with that onion, you know, there's like more onions that pop up. But that really is, I think, how many of us are living our lives, especially if there's suffering, is we're just carrying around these onions and they're, the crackly outer skin is bugging us because we haven't figured out what is really going on. And all of our addictions and problems and coping mechanisms, I mean, we do that for a reason. 
there it's not like you just wake up one day and say i really want to eat 12 Krispy cream donuts and beat myself up for it right <laughs> you don't you don't think that way you just do it because you're trying to find comfort or you're trying to get a sugar hit like there's very good reasons why and so you have to get beyond that reason like why do i do this oh right. i do it when i'm lonely i'm really lonely mm. i'm lonely and like whoa that's a lot different than I need to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally. Lonely. I'm lonely. Totally. Another thing I say in the book is no one is coming for you. They don't know you're missing because we're out here pretending that everything is fine. And unless we send up a smoke signal that says I need help or I'm changing or I'm, I'm going to do this, like no one knows and so often we think people need to read our minds or reach out to us. And the truth of the matter is we're often the only thing we've got <laughs> to do it and to take charge. And that's the good and the bad news. But it is good news because if you look at your life in, in that way, like this is up to me. That means I can do something about it. I can actually change this. I cannot eat 12 donuts. Oh my gosh, how freeing is that? <laughs> And so that's the good news about it. When you figure out where the root is, you can then make choices. But we're too busy wandering around with our head in the sand, riding 100 miles on a bike, trying to knock off a hangover <laughs> versus right. just being like, hey, maybe you shouldn't drink. And maybe you drank because your childhood sucked. And now you know that and you're not a child. You're 40. Time to grow up. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's so much power in discovering the roots of these things into getting into like the middle parts of that, the truth onion, because I think we assume that if we go there, if we dig deeper, it's going to be harder or uglier or uncomfortable, which it can be all those things. But the power that comes from having an understanding of what you're connecting and a habit that's not serving you to. So to be able to look and see like, Oh, this is why I drink, or this is why I overeat, or this is why I need to numb out in all these different ways. And now that I know that, I can make decisions based on that knowledge with that knowledge. And there's a ton mm -hmm. of power in that. And I think that we assume that when we get into something, it's going to be overwhelmingly difficult. But I think sometimes while it might be difficult, it also can be really liberating and freeing. Would you say that's your experience? Oh, for sure. And the truth will set you free, but not before it's done with you, right? So it's like, <laughs> oh, thank goodness, there's the truth. Oh my God, here she comes, you know, and like put on your rain slicker and watch the show. But it really is true. When you can pinpoint, and it's kind of like when you're in serious debt and you want to ignore it and you just quit it. You keep paying your minimum payments and you're not dealing. And then one day you put it all in a spreadsheet and you're like, oh my God. But then you're like, okay. You know, it's like the initial shock is horror. And how will I ever recover from this? And how will I ever dig out of it? But then you can look at it and you can say, okay, there is a plan here. Mm -hmm. I can start here. And that's what you have to do with your life. You have to do with your big bleeders. Like you got to triage the big ones and then you've got to figure out a plan. And as long as you're walking around with your head in the sand, like there's nothing down in the sand, but lies, <laughs> get out of the sand. It's full of lies. Right. And you've got to look up and you've got to see the truth. And the hardest part about seeing the truth is often it's us. Like we're the problem. We ate the food. We did the drinking. We spent the money and no one likes to be 
made to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person or you're such a loser, but that's not it. Everyone on this planet has something that they're struggling with and we're the biggest condemner of ourselves and we don't, we don't want to think badly of ourselves. So we just avoid, but mm -hmm. getting to the truth of whatever's going on with you is the path to freedom. And you really are on a road to recovery. The second you open your eyes and just see. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about leadership. What does leadership look like to you? And how do you see influence or how do you see leadership go wrong in the age of influencer culture? So you and I actually started talking about this a little bit at the end of our conversation on your show. And I think <laughs> more so after we stopped recording, if I recall. That's correct. Um, about but, a certain person. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's a really interesting conversation because I think that you've had this journey now 10 years in the making of starting, which was a personal journey that became now a professional journey. Like this is what you do. This is how you spread your sharing your messages around your own stories is how you have built a, an entire mission and a movement for other people to involve themselves and be of service for you to be of service to the world. And I've done the same thing over the last 17 years. And so we're in this interesting time in leadership. And I think that many people are stepping up into leadership roles and it's looking like a lot of different things and people are choosing to show up sometimes in some ways and other times, sometimes in great ways and sometimes in less great ways. And then there's also this whole piece around influencer culture. And I think, you know, when you've been at this, you know, like you said, it was a totally different game 10 years ago when you had a blog mm -hmm. and a Facebook page. And for me, 17 years ago, like blogs weren't even, a th I mean, maybe they were a thing. I certainly didn't know about them. So right. and social media wasn't a thing. And so what does leadership look like to you? And how do you see things going sideways in this age of influencer culture? Yeah, such a good question. And it's hard, you know, as someone who's been in the social media space to look around and be like, man, I really missed the boat somewhere. Why did I like miss out on these 1.8 million followers? <laughs> like, what is that? What have I done wrong here? Maybe totally. people don't like me. But you know, I have never been in this not for one single second for the publicity. Never, not once. I started my blog because I had something to say and I needed a place to put it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, other people like to understand how to do this. And so it grew so organically. And then the time when I, when my life kind of fell apart, which if you read the year of no nonsense, you'll get a clearer picture. It was because it spun out of control and I started to try and make too much money. And there is no such thing as making too much money, but I was money driven and I was ego driven for this period of time. It was like a year and a half and it literally brought my entire world down mm. and I had to rebuild. And what I learned from that is, oh my gosh, people liked you because you were telling the truth about yourself and you tried to help them. And they started to really hate you when you stopped doing that. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that was my purpose. Like, that's why, you know, and so I just kind of gutted a lot of things at that point. I quit with the yard sale. I quit. I had a lot of businesses. I cut them all out and I just got down to the bare basics of podcast book and, you know, some Instagram's my favorite. I don't even really fool with Facebook that much. I don't even blog anymore. So I just started to really focus on my coaching which is one-on-one. -on -one. I don't even do groups anymore because I did groups and groups and groups. And I'm like, I can't do groups anymore. They're, they're good. And then they're not. And it just, it ran the course for me. Yeah. And so I started doing one-on-one -on -one and I realized, oh, I'm actually in leadership when I am serving another person. 
and I'm in leadership when I am serving my audience in a way that makes them laugh or they gain some value or they just enjoy seeing what's up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I try to not curate so much. And that's the reason I, you know, don't have a million followers. It's part of the reason. Also, I'm not likable, I guess, but <laughs> there is like, I don't do it for that reason anymore. I got back to the basics of, hey, I'm training for a bodybuilding show. You guys want to see how this is just as impossible as me doing my first triathlon was. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my measure. I think you're a leader when you're honest about your struggles. I think you're a leader when you say, hey, I found this really great shortcut (laughs) where maybe you don't have to struggle. Mm -hmm. And I think you're a leader when you make money off of your platform and you do it in an authentic way. Like I do make some money, but it's kind of laughable. Like if I actually told you how much I made, everyone be like, oh, really? (laughs) It's not that much. And it's only for stuff I truly believe in. Like I get asked daily, you know, Hey, try this new CBD oil or Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, man, like, no, just no. Then there's some products that I will promote all the time. And so if you're going to be an influencer that gosh, it just crawls me. You can't do what you want. Right. But there will come a day of reckoning when Mm -hmm. the stuff you've put out, when people can start to smell the BS (laughs) because it happened to me. Like I lived it in 2016. It totally happened to me on a very smaller scale. But when you're selling marriage seminars and then the next second you're getting a divorce and you didn't warn anyone, Mm -hmm. like you got an integrity problem and that is where it stinks. But if you're out there and you're just being real, you're like, man, this is hard. This is a struggle. You're not trying to make money off this area. You're not an expert in then when you you get divorced, you have the whole world supporting you. They're like, man, we knew, Mm -hmm. you know, we're with you. Thanks for being real. And I think there's this fake realness that is being, that social media is really ripe for just, oh my gosh, I'm so real. Like, no, you're not, (laughs) you're not being real. You're not being real. And so, you know, what is real? How can we discern it? I don't know. And so that's why I think I've done a lot more pulling into the podcast because it's controllable. It's it's me, it's my guest, and we get to have conversations. And my coaching is me and one other person. And it's like, I get to connect on that level. And then that spreads to their family and their friends. And so I would love to have a million followers and get paid $400,000 to talk about gum. It would be <laughs> awesome. But, you know... I don't know. Would I do it? Sure. Of course I would. Anyone would. But I think even if I ever got to that point, I would still be trying my damnedest to be exactly who I am right this second. Yeah. Yeah. Along with it. So Trident, if you're interested, (laughs) (laughs) I do love your gum. (laughs) I can squeeze you in. (laughs) So good. So one thing I've seen that's been so interesting during this time, and I've seen this in a couple different leaders. So two things I want to say about this. The first thing I want to say, and I just was talking about this on another interview I did earlier today, but someone pointed out to me, it was actually Heather Chauvin. Are you, do you know Heather Chauvin? Yeah, not personally, Thomas but I definitely control. know her name. And maybe yeah. we, we met, you and I might've talked exactly about this when we <laughs> last mm-hmm. spoke last month, it's but okay. probably neither of us remember. So that's fine because <laughs> we, we're busy moms. So we forget that's everything right. after we talk about right. it. So, There's no brain here. Right. 
So Heather told me, we were having a conversation in Instagram DMs and she said, well, there's a difference between a marketer and an influencer or between a marketer and a leader. And you're really seeing that right now because you're seeing how leaders are really showing up and leaders are showing up really authentically and they're owning their mistakes and they're able to take feedback and they're having these really uncomfortable conversations. And then marketers are like not at all able to do any of that. It's just not in their skill set, nor are they interested or invested in learning how to add it to their skill set. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I see, and I've seen this among multiple people. So, you know, we're call out culture has never been as what it is now. It's you know, this big, huge thing. And people are getting called out left and right on all sorts of different things. And what I've noticed in call out culture and what I've noticed among leadership is that there's leaders that will take feedback and they will have conversations about it and they will own things. And they will, when they want to quote unquote, be real and be authentic, they'll be in conversation around the feedback. What mm-hmm. I noticed, so that's how I'm seeing it among leaders. Then I'm seeing marketers, many of whom market themselves as leaders who are given feedback. And instead of taking the feedback and taking a look at themselves and going to enter their communities to say like, Hey, I got this feedback and I hear you. And here's what I'm going to do about this because I want to make sure that I'm being of service. And I want to make sure that I'm not doing harm, et cetera, et cetera. Instead they're saying, you're always going to have haters. And so you just do Mm. you and you don't have to listen to anyone else. And people on the internet are nasty. And it seems like this way for marketers who want to position themselves as leaders to like sidestep taking accountability. And I've seen yes. this now in a few different yes. people. And I'm like, that's not leadership. Like if, you know, 400 people reply on your post calling you out for doing something inappropriate or harmful or disrespectful or nasty or irresponsible, then as a leader, you have an obligation to be in conversation about that thing, not to just say, well, people on the internet are really mean and, and I'm not going to listen to them or right. I don't owe them an explanation. Well, Actually, you do because those are the people you're making money off of. <laughs> so it's like there's one thing if it's one or two trolls. It's very different if it's a large segment of your audience is trying to be in conversation with you around a way that you have actually done harm. And that's where I see right. this like huge difference and where I find leadership and especially in the online and influencer space to be really maddening right now. Yes, yes. So well put. And just to add on to that, I think it is... So, you know, the initial whatever thing they did is harmful, but then their response, you know, if you're a leader, you should be trying to lead with integrity. You should be trying to show people a better way to try and help like with your skill set. And so when you say haters going to hate, you do you don't try and you're literally teaching millions of people to do that. To right. not hold themselves them accountable. accountable. You're, You're giving yes. them permission to blow it's off. So dangerous. And this is the same thing I have with the body image culture. Mm-hmm. Look, if you love your body, I don't care what your body looks like. I don't care. Like, love yourself, go knock yourself out. But this whole thing around body image and people saying, just love yourself and we're going to shame you if you're this way. We're going to shame you if you want to change you. You just love yourself and forget trying to change anything. And like that is just as harmful as telling someone they should be fat or they should be skinny because Mm -hmm. everyone has the choice to choose what they want and how they want to show up in the world and what they want to change and how they want to be inspired. And so it's kind of like these leaders are gaining followers, they're gaining momentum, they're gaining sponsors by being unaccountable on whatever their platform is and allowing the unaccountable to flock to them. (laughs) Right. Totally. Totally. It's really interesting. a whole new level of permissiveness for the up and coming people. 
Um, right. Oh my gosh. We should have just right. done a whole episode on this. We could Well, we can always this. come back. You should come back to my podcast. We'll do this. And we'll just keep doing this. Um, so good. It's true. So true. this has been so good, Meredith. I love it. I'm so excited about all this. I know this is going to add a lot of value to a lot of people's lives. Can you tell people how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Uh, well, like I said, I'm starting schooling <laughs> next week. That is a shameless mom. Oh my gosh. So, so many ways, you know, showing my children from 10 years ago that I would put any size body in a spandex tri-suit and go ride a hundred miles and do an Ironman. I mean, that was a way, cause it was not easy. It was not easy to get in that you know, skinny person's tri suit at 200 pounds and go do what I did. I showed up shamelessly, like, because I knew it was so important for my children to see me doing movement and exercise and being myself. I show up shamelessly in a bikini, even though half the world would be like, she doesn't have any business wearing that. I do it because my body's fine and it's birth two babies and it's, it's beautiful. And I work hard for what I got. <laughs> like I put a lot of work to look like this. And, you know, so I show up to show them that who you are is beautiful. And as long as you're working on what you want to be working on toward bettering yourself, that's all that matters. It really doesn't matter what the world thinks of you, but it certainly matters what you feel inside. And then you should back up those feelings with hard work. Yes. That's yes. what I do. Yeah. Love it. Where can listeners find you and connect with you? So I'm everywhere at Swim Bike Mom. <laughs> my Excellent. triathlon name plus parenting, Swim Bike Mom. And my book, The Year of No Nonsense, is available everywhere you buy books and on Audible and all of that too. And you can listen to my podcast, The Same 24 Hours, is on all the podcast platforms. Yay. I love it. This has been so good. I'm so grateful to you for being here today. And I know that this is going to inspire some mamas to make changes in their lives that they've been maybe looking for like the right nudge. This is going to be, so when you had that moment of on that spin bike and someone and the teacher said something that had created that Every spark day is the you. first day of the rest of your life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so when that spark was created in you, I feel like this conversation, this episode will be the thing that is creating a spark for someone else. So thank you. Oh, thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah. So I appreciate you. it. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.